Father Harmon. I almost called you Deacon David. Hey, how about that's that? Not, that's not <laughs> who you are anymore. <laughs> um, once a deacon, always a deacon, Father. Well, that's true. So I was going to ask you, I'm wondering, have you been craving wine as of late? Because <laughs> all, oh. <laughs> all of our vineyard talk. <laughs> all of our vineyard talk. Oh, it's just gosh. been incredible. incredible. Yeah. Um, Am I a crazy person or have we been talking about the same reading for like a month now? <laughs> it seems as though ordinary time has become... Well, vineyard see, time. Here's, a, here's a thing. Vineyard time, yeah. It's, it's just funny because it's like, look, what would these gospels and parables be like if they were written, if Jesus was from Texas? It's like we wouldn't be talking <laughs> talking about vineyards all the time. Uh, it's like, all right, when your cattle That's right. are up That's right. for. Um, so anyway, so as we record, uh, coming up on the 27th Sunday in our time, we have some more vineyard talk. But we have vineyard talk today as well, the 26th Sunday. Um, yeah, and so it's just... It's just a lot of... I haven't actually focused my homily at all on vineyards. Uh-huh. Maybe this is my time. Maybe the 27th <laughs> Sunday is when I there finally talk about the vineyard. Because we had the vineyard this past... Like this morning uh, with the two brothers. And I guess last week as well, the 25th, did we have vineyard? Yeah, the, I don't remember the context of it, but we had vineyard la- the two weeks ago as well. well oh, that was... Too no, much. No, it, too it, much. The workers. The work, it was, that's right. It was God the sends workers. workers in the vineyard. Yeah. Yeah. So this will be our third consecutive Vineyard Sunday. Um, so anyway, so yeah, so I um, look forward to talking about vineyards, uh, but just briefly about the 26th Sunday. Uh-huh. Um, did you have any thoughts about what a homily would have looked like for you today after thinking about it some more? <laughs> no, no, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Very good. Very but I'm going to preach. I'll be preaching uh, next Sunday. So these readings... Uh... So I will be, and for real this time. I know I said that a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> right. Well, just in time for us to have the third of three of vineyards, you finally That's get right. to preach on That's it, right. which is good. That's right. How's, um, how's your homily? So I, it was good. I, um, so it was, I, I am realizing, so I record my homilies, as you know, and I'm realizing more and more that I, I need to be a little bit more diligent about preparing my homilies. Hmm. Um, I, I think that I lean heavily on natural talent as a public speaker um, which I have. I think I'm a good public speaker just by nature, but I think I lean too heavily on that. And then I go to mass and I'm sort of like still formulating what I want to preach on while the first reading is being read. Um, and I just, I, I'm finding that I don't, I don't feel like that's good. I think that I should probably be a little bit more diligent in, in formulating. So like today I, I, I like the homily, but I just didn't really feel like I was giving my heart to it as mm. much as I could have in prayer, you know? Yeah. Um, I think I was just relying too much on like, oh, we talked about it last week. I'll probably come up with something on the fly, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah. I think it was good. Like I, I focused on what we were talking about in our conversation last week, which was on the importance of changing your mind. And so I I started my homily on with, with the question of like how, when was the last time that you can say legitimately that you had an entrenched belief that you were willing to change your mind about? Um, and then focusing on how this gospel is calling us to a conversion of mind. Oof. Uh, you know, and yeah, so that's, that's what the whole gospel was on. I mean, that that could be a pretty, uh, pretty striking homily here in the United States these days, especially as we're approaching Absolutely. an election. Like, Absolutely, that's that's what I think. That's really what people need to hear. You know, it's not that you have yeah. to change your mind, but when was the last time that you did? <laughs> right. You know? No, and I asked I asked the congregation that, and I I started my homily also saying that like when I was younger, um, I used to think that it was a sign of strength. To never change your mind or a sign of pride or 
something to never change your mind, but just yeah. to be diligent in my belief. Um, and of course, that's folly. Like what actual mature thinkers do is they change their minds often. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, I find that I get a chance to preach here in Spain about American politics without <laughs> without any repercussions, you know? Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because that's what I'm thinking about is American politics because I don't know anything about Spain. Right. Um, yeah. No, so, you know, yeah, you, so. you bring up an interesting point, though, that I that I actually try as well. So I, I don't have that natural talent that you're speaking of, yeah. uh, which is why for daily mass, I try to do exactly what you just said. Like I try to purposefully not prepare. Like I, I try not to write out my homily. I try because Sundays I do. Um, and so on the weekday, I treat that more as like these. This is where I do some of my training like to okay, learn, yeah. to learn how to preach yeah to do it a little bit better a little bit more naturally uh, to allow a little bit more flow uh mm-hmm. so, you know it works out most of the time sometimes i kind of it, it's not good <laughs> i would say it works <laughs> out more often than it doesn't but it does sure. sometimes fail pretty badly um mm-hmm. but i do think it's a worthwhile endeavor like i don't f- I do sometimes when like when it fails, I'm like I really should start preparing a little bit more. Uh, hmm. But so I do feel a little conflicted that I'm not giving it, you know, giving it my all, and like I'm letting down the people, the people of God that right. I'm preaching to. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, and I mean, yeah. so that's the tension that I'm finding in that. But yeah. also, you do have well, to push another, yourself. Uh... Like for you, you I think you're right. You know, like you do, and this happens to the you know, to artists all the time. This is one of our big, uh, <laughs> one of our big faults is that we, so many of us do have that natural talent in like painting or, or whatever drawing. And that's all we rely on. And we don't put the work in. Uh, yeah. And so it yeah. kind of fizzle out. It's like, well, no, sure. you, you still have to sure. put a lot of work into it. Yeah. And yeah. And I think with preaching, I hear that very much. Um, I think another aspect that's a danger with what you're saying about, not putting in the work. It's not just that you're loading down the congregation potentially. You may not because God works through you. But I think one of the things that's dangerous is that we can cultivate bad habits and just phone it in. Oh sure. You know, yeah, and then absolutely. How, how many how many priests do we know that preach by just phoning it in? Like they just recycle the same trite sayings yeah. or yeah. you know, the homily they've preached a thousand times. Or they just summarize um, the gospel. <laughs> oh, terrible. Terrible. Um I mean I'm not too hard on myself though, because I think that I preached a good homily this morning. Uh but I like you, you are the kind of, pre- like you and I are very different preachers, which is why I think our, our conversations together are helpful for both of us. Um, I, I find that you're the kind of person that needs to learn to not write his homilies out. And I'm the kind of person that needs to learn how to write his homilies out. Yeah. Um, like I need to be able to write out my homily because like, if you listen to any of my homilies on YouTube, none of them were ever written out. Um, but I should be able to do that and still be able to deliver a polished homily that doesn't feel like it's being read. But I don't give myself any time to do that. I just yeah. sort of lean on like, oh, I'll stand in front of the crowd and I'm sure it'll be good. And, you know, well, and I have an idea, you know. Yeah, you know, and that also goes back. That reminds me of what we were just talking about before we started recording about uh, the prayers for Mass, the Eucharistic prayers. Like, do you just read those? Right. Yeah, no, I like, do you I, just read those. I think, well, I've been a priest for a month, so I'm still <laughs> trying to figure out where, where the ribbons go. But I, I I find myself caught between reading what's on the page to make sure that I say the words that are there and then actually praying what I'm reading. Yeah. Um, and that's a tension. That's a real tension. Yeah. I mean, I think that there's a, that there's, 
a little bit of overlap there, you know, like are, how are we appropriating the, certainly these prayers, not to say that we have to have them all memorized. Some priests do, which is crazy. Um, but like, even when you read them, how are you proclaiming them and praying them? I think the same totally. is said for a homily that's written. Like, are you just up there reading a paper or are you mm. proclaiming, are you breaking open the word? Like, I think, yeah. I don't think that it's so black and white as to say r- reading a homily is bad, extemporaneous is good. No, not at all. Not at all. I think it's a it's a skill. It's a skill and it needs to be honed and you should use everything in your arsenal to make sure that it's good. Yeah. Um, and one of the things that's in my arsenal that I don't use is the written word. I just don't don't do that. And I'd like to. I'd like to be able to. I've written my homily twice in my life. And <laughs> both times both times it was because I was afraid of the congregation. Hmm. Um, yeah. Like I was I was deeply intimidated by the congregation I was preaching to. And so I wrote it out. Um and it was great because it it actually alleviated a lot of the anxiety <laughs> of going to mass. Like, it was it. just like, oh, I can just preside now. And yeah, that's right. There it is. <laughs> so anyway, more to come on that. Uh, I yeah. think there's a good something something to be said here about how we approach the preparation of these. Yeah, for sure. These texts. For sure. Well, that's kind so of anyway, the idea of homily prep. We're prepping for our homily. Totally. <laughs> totally. So, uh, okay, so let's talk a little bit about okay. the readings for 27th. I, I know we've been, kind of, we've been kind of dodging it just because it's hard to feel like there's anything fresh going on here with these. Yeah. Uh, and especially like the first reading in the gospel are basically the same story um, repeated. So, yeah, you know, God plants a vineyard and that vineyard gets overrun either by wild grapes and then it is just left to ruin or it gets overrun by... Uh, wicked tenants, you know, and so how how is it that God, you know, so God obviously is the vineyard grower and the nation of Israel or the people of God, the church is the the vineyard and yeah, how we allow good, bad fruit, all that kind of stuff. So I think there's a lot there with the imagery and the parable and all that. I just find myself kind of uninspired, right, by by the image of it all, you know? Well, you know, and I'm I'm moved by what St. Paul says in his letter to the Philippians about, uh, allow prayer, petition, thanksgiving, make your requests known to God, like be open uh, with God. And then, and then here's the more important part at the end. He says, keep doing what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. Mm. Uh, And that's exactly what the tenants of this vineyard are not doing. They Mm. keep killing these people. (laughs) Uh, And then when (laughs) Jesus asks the, who's he talking to here? The chief priests, like, what do you do there? And he's, they said, well, clearly, He'll put those wretched men to death and give his vineyard to tenants that'll actually do what they're supposed mm-hmm. to do. That will do that. Keep uh, and uh, and hear and and see and all that stuff that Saint yeah. Paul speaks about. And so I think there yeah. is uh, something here to be said about not just like okay, we've got to cultivate the vineyard, blah blah blah. Yeah, we've already we've already gone over that. But how are you keeping this alive in your heart when it? We've been going over this for three weeks, <laughs> you know, in a row. Like, how are you keeping this in your heart? How are you keeping yourself from just throwing it away and and thinking that you've got the answers, that you know how to how to cultivate this vineyard, rather than right. practicing, rather than doing, rather than being the person that God has called you to be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's good. That's good. Uh, so here's something that's interesting that I was just thinking about. Um, in the first reading, the focus is on the grapes. In the gospel, the focus is on the tenants. 
<laughs> yeah. Um, and so, like, what's interesting is that the grapes, I, what I'm guessing, you know, is the fruit or the people. So, like, the people of, of the nation of Israel. So, like, as the psalm says, the vineyard is the house of Israel. So, the grapes yeah. are the people of Judah, are the people, you know. Um, and so, they're given over to wild grapes, um, you know, waywardness and all that. And then you have the tenants in the gospel. So, like, there's a tension here between the people and then the elders. So one of them is addressed to the people and one of them is addressed to the elders. And so in both cases, kind of to your point, is being faithful to what's been passed on to you, uh, whether it be the people or it be the responsible ones of the of the vineyard. So I guess it's a difference between the first and the gospel that I hadn't really picked up on until now. Yeah. Um, I, I, I do want to just maybe mention one thing that see what you think. What do you make in the first reading about God tearing down the wall and just allowing the vineyard to be overrun? <laughs> so, yeah, that's interesting. Uh, one of the things, and you'll have to bear with me here for a minute, because j- this just came into my mind, and you, you know how I am when I don't have time to actually <laughs> think about what I'm trying to say. Uh, mm-hmm. Okay, so recently in our readings, we had Jesus telling his disciples that, you know, they were so in awe of his miracles and they were distracted by them basically. And he said, okay, but you know, the son of man is going to be handed over. Like this is not about all these magical things that I'm doing. Uh, the, 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 the truth of it is, is going to be through the cross. Okay. And so I wonder if there's a similar parallel here where it's important to, you know, to recognize that, these grapes, like you were saying, are the people, like this is important, but they're not just an individual fruit, right? We don't just, mm. we don't just make wine out of a grape. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it takes the vineyard, right? And I think sometimes we can lose, what is the saying? We can lose sight of, of the forest for the tree or something like that. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah get yeah. too focused. We can get lost in the weeds. Mm-hmm. And we lose sight of what of what we've actually been given and what we've and what we've got. So I think getting back to what you just asked me about about those walls, I think sometimes it's not just you know God is tearing down walls or blah blah blah. The wall that He's got to break through is us, <laughs> like mm. as our own the the our, the walls that we have put up ourselves around mm-hmm. around each of those little grapes and say it's not about mm-hmm. that. It's about coming together, recognizing the individual. Sure. Sure, absolutely. You got to recognize that you're actually working with grapes in a vineyard. Uh, right, so you can't right. get too lost in the abstract, but you also can't get too focused on the singular, on the individual. Mm-hmm. Yeah, does that make sense? I like that. It does. Yeah, I mean, grapes grow in bunches, you know, and so there's a good image there about how God grows his people, you know, as a collective in breaking through so that, you know, the wild grapes can give give way to grapes that can actually be useful for making good wine, you know? Um, no, I like that. I like that. Um, here's one angle that I was thinking about. Um, is there a way, and this is kind of controversial and maybe even dangerous to preach on. Um, (laughs) is there a way in which we can see God allowing bad things to happen for me for my good? Oh, Lord. Um, Yeah. (laughs) So, so yeah. So wild grapes grew. So God tears down the walls, does not allow rain to fall. I mean, this is kind of Job, you know? So it's like, yeah. Yeah, the story of Job is happening here, and so how is it that I could see that? Is it somehow in God's providence for my good that I'm going through a dry spell in prayer? That all of my fortifications have been 
weakened, that I find myself invaded by intrusive thoughts or by weird temptations or by, you know, strange habits that I have been trying to overcome, whatever it is, and I find myself overrun by those things, and I ask myself, what's going on? Where has the Lord been? Is there a way in which, I mean, I know this is kind of dicey territory, but that God is allowing that to happen in me um, for the sake of future growth, better growth, uh, eventual growth, uh, yeah. to weed out to weed out that bad fruit in me. Yeah, you know, yeah, I totally get. This is kind of a difficult thing to to talk about, uh, just because it gets very heated very quickly, and it comes with so many assumptions that are hard to parse out sometimes. I th- mm-hmm. I find one of the biggest assumptions that people make when we start talking about this. You know, why did God? Why does God allow bad things? I find, and I could be wrong here, but I find that most people, what they're actually saying, maybe not even realizing it, is why does God continue to allow me to be a human being? <laughs> hmm. Because what they're what we want is for God to take away all of our problems and snap his fingers, and all of a sudden everybody's happy, uh, and there are no problems in the world. Yeah. Right? Is that, Am I wrong in there? Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, I, th- I think that's generally what people expect God to do. Yeah, yes. and that's just not how we were made. That's not how we are. And so for us to ask God to stop allowing us to be a human being seems a little ridiculous. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, which isn't to say that, yeah, okay, God just made evil in the world, you know, ha ha ha, here he is, this, this you know, cruel child with a magnifying glass over an anthill. That's not what I'm saying at all. The beauty of, of who we are as human beings is that we've got this free will. We've got this ability to, to genuinely love. Like, that's huge. And I think that we can't separate, we can't remove our human experience from that because then we wouldn't be able to choose to love. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. I do. Um, okay, I got a homily. So how do we bring this it. into the homily? Dude, I got it. I think I got it. Um, okay. So I'm going to contradict what I said before. I may actually preach on the second reading this time. Um, <laughs> okay. So so get this. So get this. St. Paul, this line, have no anxiety at all, which hits home with me because I have anxiety about everything. Um, <clears throat> have no anxiety at all, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, make your request known to God. So imagine in your whole in your life that your walls are tearing down, that everything that seems to go good has been going bad, that there's no that somehow God has allowed for bad things to happen, because that is part of being human, is like bad things will happen and God allows it for some good. But here's where I, I find myself very struck, is that when the walls fall, when all of my security is taken away, do I have anxiety about it? Hmm. Yeah. Or do I make prayer and petition with thanksgiving, making my requests known to God? And here is the clincher. The walls have fallen. And what does St. Paul say? God will guard your heart with Jesus. Mm. So the walls of security that I've built around myself need to fall away so that, so you that can Jesus, Jesus can be so that Jesus can be the fortification that I need. Yeah. Because mm, I love if that. Jesus isn't if Jesus is not the wall, then whatever wall there is that I've built to secure myself, because I built tons of walls, not just to keep people out, <laughs> but also to yeah. feel myself safe, you know? Right. Um right. I mean, you've seen my calendar. I keep my calendar very <laughs> specific and detailed because I've built fortifications um in my schedule. Well, how am I allowing the Lord to guard my heart in Christ? Like that's the wall that I need 
to, to allow to be built. And that will give me no anxiety because Jesus only is the Prince of Peace, you know? Yeah, no, I love that. I think that's exactly the way... Yeah, the more I think about it, I think you're right. You're totally right. Especially, you know, the third week in a row talking about a vineyard. It's like, okay, we've we've focused on the vineyard, but let's talk about how we are allowing our own kind of actually kind of what we were going talking about at the beginning, you know, like I think that's exactly what Jesus is trying to get at with the, the tenants that were taking care of it. were doing it poorly. They were putting up their own walls. And so oh, he, needed there it to, is. he needed to take that away from them and say, Ooh, you know yeah. what, this is not, this is not what you need. You need me. Yep. Yep. Mm, there it is. I like that. I like that a lot. Cool, man. Well, I think we got something there to go to go off of. It's better than uh, what we had <laughs> <We're> <laughs> beginning, started. Which was nothing. Uh, yeah, which was nothing. <laughs> All right, very good. All right, cool, man. Any parting right. thought? No, go pray. You too. All right, dude. Till next time. All right. Peace.